Hey, this is Tom Martin, the author of The Invisible Sale, and you are listening to The Marketing Book Podcast, which is the only podcast on the internet with a full money-back guarantee. You don't like this episode, and I promise you, you won't have to pay for it. Welcome to The Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, which is all about helping you discover new ideas about what's working in modern marketing. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything discussed in the show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. Today, I'm joined by Tom Martin, and we're going to talk about his book, The Invisible Sale, how to build a digitally powered marketing and sales system to better prospect, qualify, and close leads. Tom is a no-nonsense, straight-talking 20-year veteran of the advertising and marketing business who favors stiff drinks, good debates, and helping companies grow their business. Man after my heart on the, the stiff drink part there. He is an internationally recognized digital marketing keynote speaker, blogger, and founder of his own agency, Converse Digital. Tom has built Converse a debt-free digital agency with a 25% year-over-year growth rate. Now listen, without a single cold call or competitive pitch presentation. Tom is also a graduate of the University of Texas at Austin, Hook'em Horns. So if you want to talk University of Texas football, you are going to need to go through him. Tom, congratulations on the Invisible Sale, and welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast. Thanks a lot. I appreciate that. I, I, uh, I appreciate you having me on the show. And I just wanted to say a quick message to all the uh, Texas A&M listeners out there. You're just going to have to let it go for half an hour because you do need to listen to this. And in fact, Tom is very good friends with a Texas A&M graduate, Brian Clark, founder of Copy Blogger. So, you know, just, uh, just, just listen up and then you can get back to your, your, uh, your age-old rivalries. <laughs> Hey, every you know, some of my best friends and clients are Aggies. They're there you good, go. They're, they're good people, and and uh, you know, they just made a they made one mistake in their life. And they <laughs> didn't figure it out for four years. So <sighs> okay. you can't hold that against people. No, you, know, you got to let them on, let them grow. No, um, but I think know. there's a lot of respect back and forth there. And I and I went to high school in Texas, and so I know all about that. So you remember Jerry Maguire in the movie? Uh, she said you had me at hello. Right. Okay. So, Tom Martin, <laughs> here's where you had me. And it was on, I think, it might have been the first page of the book. And I'm just going to read a couple of sentences here and then we'll go. It says, How much do you love cold calling? If you love it and think it's the ultimate selling tool or the best way to find and qualify leads, then you can stop reading now. This <laughs> isn't the book. For you. If, however, you feel that cold calling on unqualified prospects is the sales process equivalent of World War II carpet bombing, an anachronism of the past and both painful and highly inefficient, then this book is definitely for you. <laughs> what a great opening. Thank so, you. Tom, what is meant by the invisible sale? And can you also talk about the tweet that changed your world? Yeah, well, but the invisible sale, what I'm, it's sort of my terminology for uh, how I see the world today in terms of how people buy things, consumer products, um, high involvement products, and, and certainly even, you know, business to business, uh, services. 
uh, and business-to-business products. And that is that uh, the, the buyers today uh, are hiding behind the anonymity of a Google search or the ability to get a hold of, of freely available digital content where they don't even have to subscribe to it, right? They don't even have to reveal that they're a subscriber to a website or whatever. They can just go get it. And that anonymity is allowing them to really do most of their pre-purchase research before they ever bother to let anybody know they're in the market to buy anything. And, and that's really where it, they're invisible. You hear a lot of people talk about sales cycles are shrinking. You know, my counter is that they're not shrinking. They're actually becoming more and more invisible. And so uh, that's where you have to build a different process so that you can intersect them. So you may not know that they're in the market for, for your services, but they're going to find you. They're going to find your content, et cetera, and, and be able to self-educate and then when they're ready, hopefully, if you've done a good job of educating them, they're going to at least put your name in the mix, if not just call you and say, hey, I've, I've read all your stuff and I, I think I need to hire you or I want to buy your product. And, you know, really the tweet that changed my world is, is where the light bulb really went off for me that, that wow, this is really happening. It, and it does even extend to, uh, you know, professional services, et cetera. I was uh, I was actually coming off a speaking gig at Tulane University and I was sitting down to eat because uh, it was a lunchtime thing. And so I was sitting down. I was, of course, scrolling Twitter to see if anybody said anything bad about me or good about me while I was talking. And in between all the normal post-speech uh, chatter was one tweet from a guy who I didn't have any idea who he was. I didn't follow him. I, I didn't really know who he was at all, saying that he had an international speaking gig opportunity for me. If I was interested, you know, ping him and, and we could talk. And long story short, you know, a couple months later, I found myself in uh, Kuala's, uh, Kuala Lumpur and uh, Singapore doing uh, some really, you know, fairly profitable little workshops uh, for uh, Malaysian companies and executives on social media. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't know who this guy was. I didn't do anything. I didn't call anybody. I didn't prospect. It's just the, You would have the never lead. found him. Yeah. The lead just showed up in my Twitter stream. And that was one of those sort of eureka moments for me where I said, oh, my God, <laughs> you know, this is awesome. Because I grew up in the biz dev world. I've always been an agency guy. And for probably more than half my career, I was the biz dev guy. I was that guy calling on clients and cold calling and cold emailing. And it was really, really painful. I have to mention, that is one of the many parts of the book that really struck a chord with me because I, I'm in the agency business, always pretty much have been. And I was the business development guy uh, including in the late 90s, and I used Axe software that you talked about in the book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I loved my Axe. And my Palm Pilot. Yeah, I loved Palm, it. I, Palm I Pilot. Like, that was a chick magnet, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Every chick, you pull that out and start writing on it, You were they were just like stud. Yeah, um, and the stylus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the, and the special language you had to learn to write in. Right. My kids always thought, when I, when I first showed my kids at Palm Pilot, they were like, Trying to do the normal uh, English, I'm like, no, 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 yeah, an A doesn't look like that. You got to write a special A, and they were like, "Dad, this is way too hard." Um, <laughs> they were right. You know, yeah, now we just speak to Siri, right? Right, right. Um, but yeah, so yeah, you get it, right? Like, I actually scheduled the birth of one of my children around a new business pitch. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how warped. Well, you're you're, you're a professional, selling. Tom. Come on. Yeah. Well, my wife was ready to be unpregnant, so she was down with that particular idea. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, it's just it was just really painful. I mean, it, God, I used to just go home at night and I'd be drained. Um, yeah, and you talked about it just brought back. Actually, it, it kind of picked at the scab for me. It was a little painful <laughs> to be reminded of how we did this, where you it was just activity, outbound activity, following through, bugging people, 
just uh, trying to play the numbers, basically. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, it was a big funnel, and you know, it, you know, some people may get off on that, you know, cold calling and all that, and, and I just don't. I, that's just not my thing. I, I'm much happier to open my laptop in the morning and you know have my cup of coffee and be scanning my emails and see a an inbound lead that comes in off my website or an email saying hey i you know heard you speak or i've been reading your stuff or i bought your book and i think you're the guy you know can you call me i'd like to set up some time to chat mm-hmm. and then you know maybe a phone call and a couple of emails later you're sending them a simple you know proposal for services and they sign it and boom you know you have a new client and it's just so much easier than it used to be. Yeah, yeah. They already, as they say, they already know, like, and uh, and trust you. So right. now that we've talked about ACT, can you explain the difference between database selling and data-based selling? Well, database selling is what you and I used to do with ACT, and that is that, you know, as I said in the book, my you know, my world of possible business prospects was my database. You know, my nose was in that base. And if your name wasn't in that base, you really weren't necessarily on my radar. Data-based selling is much more about using data and using input from the, that your website spins off or that your social uh, spins off in terms of, you know, things people are clicking on, content they're consuming, uh, to really begin to understand how to better position yourself to anyone whether or not they're in your proactive marketing database or not, uh, it's really a much more systematic way of saying um, who might be a really good client for me in, in the advertising agency world uh, versus, you know, who do I want to, you know, just making a list of who I want to go work with. And, and based in that, that who I want to work with oftentimes was not based on any knowledge of what that client's particular need was that you could fulfill. Whereas, you know, with data-based, if you see somebody clicking on a lot of social selling stuff, you know, or if I get a, a lead form that comes in and I see somebody, you know, consume 20 pages of my website, of which 17 were social selling oriented, and I've got their name and email address because they subscribe to the newsletter, well, I can be pretty sure that person wants social selling. And so then I now know, and I can go look and go, okay, I can help these people, and I know what they want. And so when I do start to reach out and nurture that relationship, I know exactly what to talk about. You know, there's yeah. no guessing. And it makes you more helpful. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, and it helps you're you saving know, them time. Well, and it helps you to know, you know, if you get ten inbounds, you know, if I get ten leads that come in, I can look and I can very quickly triage, okay, this guy's much closer over here than this lady. Mm-hmm. This person has no idea. They're just banging around, getting lots of stuff. They're in pure research mode. But you can start to see um through their behavioral characteristics and what they do, um, you can kind of see where they are. And, 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 and how maybe close they are to actually making a purchase. So if you only have a half an hour today to follow up with your leads and begin to try to nurture and so forth, well, you kind of know where to spend your time. Mm-hmm. And you talk about that in the, in the book, uh, an example of someone who had, I think she had 1,600 people in her database, but she could figure out which 12 to start with. Oh, yeah. That was probably the... I, I, that. That is probably one of my favorite projects I've ever worked on my entire career because it was so cool because it was using behavioral email and triggers and, and sort of automated to an extent email to, to segment a database. You know, we really didn't care if anybody bought anything. We just wanted you to click on things so we could capture that information and begin to, to build a really rich profile on mm-hmm. who everybody was and what they wanted. And this was, you know, God, this was way back in, you know, 2000, probably seven or eight before, you know, what is relatively commonplace today 
ever existed. And, uh, and it was great because it worked, you know, Mm -hmm. that salesperson, every call she made counted to use her language. And that's the beauty. I mean, that's, and that's kind of, you know, what we talk about in the book and so forth is, you know, it's, if you can build what I call painless prospecting platform, if you can build that and, and then work it, I mean, that's what happens. I mean, every call you make counts. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, that to me is Nirvana as a guy who used to make lots of calls that didn't count. I love being able to pick up the phone and know the person on the other end wants to talk to me. Mm-hmm. Or is more inclined to, and I think you're filled with a little more confidence, you're going to be able to help them too. Oh, absolutely. Because you know more and you, you've seen what their digital body language is. One of many things I found interesting in the book is you talk about how the sales funnel is is antiquated. And Can you, can you explain what you mean by that and uh, the paradigm of the radar screen? Yeah, well, traditionally, you know, the funnel is everybody at the top of the funnel. Uh, as salespeople, we always assumed, and, and I think mostly correctly, so that they um, were in need of lots of information. They didn't know much, and I, I think we were correct in that assumption because historically, they had to come to us to get that information. It wasn't just freely available out there. So, if they were analyzing our product or our company, um, they would have to call. So. You know that would kind of put them at a, a, a where a, an understanding or knowledge level of zero, and then we would fulfill it, and, and we would work them down the funnel as we and other companies like us gave them information. Nowadays, because people are uh, doing so much of this pre-buying research online where they're invisible, oftentimes, you know, the first time they raise their hand, they're really not at the top of that funnel anymore. They've already done a lot of research. They're probably much closer to the bottom of the funnel, and therefore, I to me. Uh, if you see them and you think they're still at the top of that funnel, you're you're gonna you're gonna start working that lead improperly. You're mm-hmm. gonna, you're gonna probably tick them off because you're gonna try to do it like a normal lead. And the self-educated buyers can be like, "I already know all that. I already did all that. You're you're slowing me down, man. Come on, let's go." Get it's to, like the woman who has researched a car for six months and asked her friends and read all the reviews, and she shows up to finally test drive it, and uh, the salesman thinks she's just starting out. And according to a lot of dealers, they say she actually knows more about the car than the poor guy trying to sell it. Absolutely. Absolutely. We talk about that in the book and, and that's the Aikido selling model of selling is, you know, you got to figure out if this is a self-educated buyer. And if so, you know, you got to start a triage where they are um, because there's not, I mean, nothing frustrates you more than somebody blabbing a bunch of stuff you already know and they're just following their little protocol and their little sales script and you're already four stages down the line. Mm-hmm. It's just frustrating. And, you know, it just ticks people off. And, and a lot of times I think it can cost you a sale because that, that woman might get upset to the point where she says, I don't have time for this and goes, you know, down the street to another dealer. Yeah. Well, he's treating me like a moron and he doesn't understand. He's a terrible listener, all those kind of things. Yeah. Uh, another thing in the book that I thought might be really helpful for the listener is you said one of my favorite arguments in the B2B selling world is one in which a sales director argues that. Consumer buyers are different than B2B buyers. Why is that one of your favorite arguments? Because I think it's just utter lunacy. <laughs> and it, uh, to think that you and I walk into our offices and somehow cease to be a human being with natural tendencies and biases that are developed and, and, and preferred methodologies of getting things done. I mean, to think that somehow like we disassociate from that and we become these robotic buyers that are all about logic and you know mm-hmm. analyses and and getting the best deal for our company and all that's just lunacy um <laughs> people are people you and i approach buying 
the same way we do for our companies as we do in our personal life. Same things that we're looking for, the same ways we evaluate, it doesn't change. Yeah, and I've actually, uh, I think there was a there was a great article by Gallup from a while back where they talked about B2B purchases are actually more emotional. In other words, if you buy the wrong car, you get a bad roofing job, you're out that money. But if you buy the wrong thing in certain B2B situations, it affects your company's ability to make money. It might affect your career reputation. Oh, absolutely. There's a lot more people involved and a lot more money usually. Absolutely. I, I literally had a client yesterday on the phone. We were talking about something and, and she had hired a, a firm and it's not working out. And it's only, you know, she's probably only five or six months into the relationship, but it's clearly not working out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, her comment to me was, you know, this reflects poorly on me that, you know, we, you know, we didn't make the right decision. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, I mean, it had nothing to do with this is going to hurt my brand. It was, it was an emotional, oh, me-oriented yeah. um, comment. And mm-hmm. guess, that's, yes, everybody buys for me. If you think that people are not selfishly motivated, again, I think we're in the land of lunacy. Because yeah. everybody, everything you do in life ultimately is selfishly motivated, even charitable giving. People go, oh, that's charity. No, and I, why do you do that? You do that to make yourself feel good, to appear good. You know, that's a selfish motivation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I, you know, I always laugh when sales guys say that. I, you know, I'm like, okay, yeah. give me six months. Just well, six to nine months, and, and then we'll sit down and talk again, and let's see if this system works. And, and nine months later, they're usually like, okay, you were right. Let's go. Keep doing this. <laughs> but she knew not to tell them they were wrong, but they were identifying a real weak spot. And you talk about that in, in, in social selling. Let's talk about propinquity, which I think was, for me, one of the biggest, most helpful concepts in the book. Oh, cool. Yeah, I love that concept. Uh, propinquity is... Um, other than being a fun word to say, and it's great for cocktail conversations. But it makes me uh, think of Tom Martin too. Well, I, I you're I starting think to own that me. word, Tom. Yeah, I think. I, well, I've been I've been using it now for a couple of years because uh, back when I was starting the research for the book is is when it really I started to try to own it because uh, no one else was using it. Um, I don't think mainly because I don't think anybody else knew what it was. Uh, but it's you know propinquity is actually a scientific uh, theory that has been repeatedly proven by the social science world. Um, Gosh, almost 100 years now. They've mm-hmm. been studies, uh, various studies. And, and really what it is is propinquity is, is it, the law of propinquity says that the number one determinant variable of the future relationship uh, development is really proximity, uh, either spatially or psychologically. And if you can get both, it's even better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the idea in, in you know, if you think about it, it's like, kind of like dating. You know, uh, your goal when you date, if you find someone of the opposite sex that you want to date or same sex, I guess, you, you know, you try to, you, you try to increase proximity in terms of, you know, having dates with them, you mm-hmm. know, and you keep running into each other, you keep having dates and each time you get to know a little bit more about the person and that's really how relationships form. Well, I apply that same social science to marketing because I think that's how content marketing and social selling works. Like you run into my, you know, book and, you know, you read it and you learn a little bit about me and how I think and how well, I And I'd already seen other articles you'd written. Right. So you'd seen articles. Mm-hmm. Maybe you saw me speak at a conference. Then you read the book. Well, each time you're running into me and my brand and you're learning a little something more about me. And you know, the book probably is, is one of the more ultimate ways to learn things because it's 
200 and some pages, lot, lots of opportunity. But as you find more and more things that out about me, as you learn more and more things about me and my company, et cetera, what's happening is it's, it's really a mathematical game, is you now have more data points on which to base your decision. So if you only know five or 10 things about me, then you know I got to hope that I get like an 80 or 90% approval rating there for you to then decide to form a relationship. But if you know 500 things about me, well, then statistically speaking, I should hopefully have enough positive data points in that sample set that you go, yeah, I really like this person. I want to work with them or I want to get them on my show or I want to hire them. And that's really how propinquity works in the marketing world. Our job as sales and marketing people is to increase, uh, I call it the bumps, increase the number and frequency of bumps that we have with a prospective buyer. Mm-hmm. And at each, t- each point, at each bump, teach them something new about us or our brand, which is that's the place advertising usually fails. Because mm-hmm. it's so expensive, you can't, you, know, you can't make 100 different ads. So you make three and you run the buffoon out of them. Uh, so that's really the idea of propinquity. It's, it's, it's your job as a sales and marketing person is to uh, proactively plan to consistently run into and educate your prospective buyer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now I probably almost know too much about you, like the fact that you're really into RVing and you're a Texas Rangers baseball fan. This is true. I never would have learned that by reading your uh, Harvard Business Review. Articles. Yeah, no, no, you would not. But you know, and that's the beauty of it um, is, you know, and that's the other nice thing about social selling, and you know, I call it, we call it social recon. There's such a treasure trove of information out there uh, uh, that that once you identify a prospect, you can really do some incredible profiling and you can learn lots of things about people right that you talk are, about that in the book too it's great i mean it's scary i share a lot less on social now uh since we started doing it for clients mm-hmm. but it's you know it's one of those things i love i love uh uh, sharing it and, and presenting it at conferences because there's always like this little nervous laughter in the audience where they're like, "Oh my god, oh my god," and then they think, "Oh crap, he could do that to me." Yeah, you know, and you see their eye. They're like, "Okay, what do I have in my stream?" And but it's really incredible. I mean, you can, I mean, just gosh, and it and as a salesperson, it's so much easier to nurture and have conversations with people, especially face to face, like at conferences. Like I love reconning prior to a conference if I know a prospect's going to be there. Because it, you know now I walk up and just happen to be standing at the bar next to them when they're ordering a drink, and I know 10 things that I can use to start a conversation. Yeah, and one thing you said in the book that was very entertaining related to this is you said, do not tell these people what you know. Right. Oh, God. <laughs> it just creeps them out. Oh, totally creeps them out. But like you know, but you said like, you've seen people do this. Like I have. Hey, I saw what page you've been on on my website. <laughs> oh, and then it's like you know you see the shock in the people's face, and then like oh god, oh god, what else? Call security. They? Yeah, get the stalker away from me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know it's it's one of the things, and you know again, yeah, that's something I think is is incumbent upon uh, those of us who are are leading the the social selling movement is. And we do a lot of this with salespeople is is just training them not only like here's the data, here's all the insights and the profiles, but now here's how to use it. Mm-hmm. Here's how to actually not without telling them you know this, here's how to use this information to help you, you know, 
prospect, uh, nurture, have conversations, whether they be online or offline. And, and that's, you know, once you show them how to use it, then they go, okay, it usually clicks and, and they can, and they can uh, start to apply it. And, and it's just, then they come back and they're like, man, that was awesome. Yeah. That was so, especially if they're like an introvert or somebody who's not really comfortable just starting a conversation with what is largely a stranger. Mm-hmm. You know, to give them those comfort points that they can use to launch a conversation, it makes it so much easier for those people uh, to be then now more effective salespeople. Yeah, yeah. And you talk a bit about seduction, not necessarily romantic seduction, but the the principles of that in terms of having that information uh, on the people that you're trying to uh, connect with. Oh yeah, it's well. You think about it. the the best conversationalists in the world are the people who speak the least. But they ask you questions that get you speaking about yourself or your passions or your whatever. And then, you know, 20 minutes later when you're done with the conversation, you think, God, that person was a great – they were a great person. I really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, because you spent 20 minutes talking about yourself. <laughs> right. But that's what it is and that's how you use that. I mean that's seductive. You yeah. Know? Like you want to go back and talk to that person again because you really want to continue to talk about yourself. Mm-hmm. But a person armed with the data, your passions, what you care about, you know – that person can be that conversationalist. They can seduce you into wanting to have a relationship with them simply because they know the questions to ask. They're mm-hmm. like lawyers, you know, your lawyer never asks a question they don't know the answer to. Well, right, right. the same thing, you know, and it's, uh, and it's, it's really wicked cool. Like when you, I love giving, the, I love training people how to do that and then giving them the profiles and then watching them, you know, go to a conference or someplace and using the techniques and then they come back and they're just like giddy. And so that Tom guy may actually know what he's talking about. Well, they don't go that far, but we can dream, do. can't we? Yeah, we can dream, can't we? You know, but they do come back and they're like, "Man, where have you been all my life? That was so right. much easier." Yeah. And so much more successful and you're like, "Good. Now, by the way, here's your invoice." No. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> well, you probably just added a lot of value to them. So, uh, Tom, if readers took only one thing away from the book, uh, what would you hope it might be? That you can do this. It, you don't need a big, you know, content marketing or you know, big organization uh, to do this. They've, what I put into this book was literally the system that I have been using for the last since you know early two thousands to build a reputation, build a company, very profitable company, and you know, it's just me. I am the one man. I mean, we're a small boutique agency, but in terms of the content creation, the marketing, the selling, it's all me. I'm one guy, and and I've been able to do it. And this is how. And and I literally just took our system that was always in my head and put it on the pages of the book. And and it's done in a way. It's designed to be a field guide for anybody who wants to try to adopt this or at least explore this kind of an approach. And and you can do it. You don't you know you don't need a, a whole organization to do it. And I think that's one of the good things that people, if you read the reviews on Amazon, that's what everybody says. Like, wow, this is all actionable. I actually can. You you tell me how to do it versus just talking about doing it. So yeah, there was a lot of transparency and a lot of granularity. Uh, yeah, right down to what kind of podcast mic you might want to have or all the other concepts you talk about. And I have to say, uh, personally, I, mean, I, I have the pleasure of reading a lot of marketing and sales books associated with this podcast. And some of them are faster reads than others. I found myself really slowing down on this one to make sure I didn't miss anything because there was a lot of stuff that I'm going to be able to use in my business 
And I kind of know what I'm doing, but I, it's like, boy, I haven't tried that. That's great. It was like going to a, it was like going to a conference or, a, you know, probably attending a, a work day, a workshop with you. And I was really able to get a lot of helpful things out of this. I highlighted way too much stuff. So, Tom, are, are there any marketing books uh, that you have read recently, marketing or sales books that you would recommend? This is a, usually a popular question with the listeners. I'm actually reading uh, Mark Schaefer's new book, The Content uh, Code, mm-hmm. uh, right now, and I am really digging it. I'm really liking it. I mean, I like Mark. He's a very smart guy. But I'm finding, um, in fact, I was just kind of scanning it this morning, I'm finding I'm taking lots of notes. Yes, yes. And same thing. I'm slowing down because usually I kind of read books for, for concept more than detail. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm finding myself slowing down. I'm finding lots of highlights. Again, lots of granularity, really good stuff that I've got a note that says, oh, I can use this in a project or a client or, or whatever. So I, I'm really digging Mark's book, The Content Code. I think yeah. it's really outstanding and, and really super helpful. Yeah. Have you gotten to the badass part? I See, I, I started reading it on, on a trip, and then I've been back home now for a couple of weeks. I have been traveling, and I haven't had time to read. So okay. I think I have. He's been on the show, and it's just the most badass book, and that's all I'm going to say. If you want to find out why that's such a badass book, you got to read the first 40 pages, and then you'll know. Okay, see, I have. I just don't remember it, but I have because I've read the first 40 pages. It's an, it's an acronym for the code. That's right. That's right. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and he, in the book, he says, would you please take a selfie and use that's hashtag back? <laughs> He's got a pretty active sense of humor, but it was, it was a great book. So are there any books that are coming out soon or that are on the nightstand that you're looking forward to getting into? I'm looking forward to, to, to Joe uh, Pulizzi's, uh content Inc. I yes, think the title that's mm-hmm. coming out. Um, I was actually listening to a podcast. Uh, him and uh, Brian Clark, who wrote the forward. Yes, and they were who, who went to Texas A and M. Let's not leave that out. Yes, I know, I know. I try not Come to. Come on, Tom. You need to be a uniter, not a divider. I know. Hey, he's proof that even Aggies can succeed. <laughs> um, I know you're saying that, that with love. I right? do. I, he, he actually is one of my favorite people in the space. He and I. Uh, it, it, we we jaw a lot, and people think like we have this thing against one another. But we actually are pretty good friends. And and I, I he when we're at conferences, I love to just go hang out and just have drinks and just goof because he's a really smart guy. And oh, yeah. We see the world from from the same perspective on many many issues. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, when I saw he wrote the forward, I was like, wow, okay, if Brian's writing the forward on this, it must be really good because you know he's not the the most like hey, let's go write a business book kind of guy. But I'm really looking forward to because listening to them talking about it, it just sounds so interesting because it is really built. It sounds like it's really kind of built to help educate and in, and enlighten you know smaller companies, people like myself that have small boutiques. And I'm really and it's a lot of you know insights into how other companies like Copyblogger and and Joe's group, Content Marketing World, yeah. you know how they did it and and what's worked. And it just to me, it sounds like it's going to be a really good, interesting read. A kind of book you probably can take a lot of little notes out of. Uh, so that that one's going to hit my my Kindle as, as soon as it gets downloadable. Yeah, it's 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 a great book, and I've interviewed Joe about that. And we're going to have links to in the show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com to both of those interviews. But the book is very different from Joe's epic content marketing book, which is one of the greatest, you know, how to soup to nuts content marketing books. This one is about companies that build their audience first, and then build the product. 
it's really interesting. And he's got lots of examples of companies that are that are doing that. So it's 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 a it's a good one. Definitely worth reading. How can listeners find out more about you and your book? And and please make sure to talk about the all the nice things at your at your site that are really useful for download. Well, they can go uh, to converse. Uh, digital.com and, and you from there you can get to the book's website at the invisible sale.com um, and you know we have uh, I've been a little uh, I took the summer off of publishing but we put a lot of I think really good free content on our site mm-hmm. um, you know stuff that's designed to help I don't really do the listicle thing we try to produce content that has a little bit more meat to it and is is designed really to help not 101 stuff but more 20 and 301 stuff. We also have a great uh, newsletter. Again, we took the summer off. Um, we're going to start back up in the fall, Painless Prospecting, uh, where uh, each week I give one actionable tip that you can uh, start you know, applying that week uh, to help make your prospecting easier and more effective. Uh, I've had a lot of people tell me that they really uh, get a kick out of that and they like it and it's helpful. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if you, if you get the book and you buy the book and read it, there is a, a hidden secret code. Uh, Which I'm you- not going to say. Yeah, don't say, because uh, uh, I want to get the email that says I can't find the code. It won't be in the show notes, listeners. Yeah, it won't be in the show notes. Uh, but yeah, there's a code hidden in the book that you can go and, and register for the, the IVS community. And there, uh, we have built some um, PowerPoints and keynote files that people can go download so that if you read the book and go, wow, I really want to implement this approach in my company, I've literally given you the uh, presentation that all you have to do is add your branding, all the words are there, so that you can go and talk to your boss and go, here's why we need to do this. And Mm -hmm. so it's a a little starter kit, if you will. Uh, We've talked about doing some more. It's on... uh, it's on the uh, horizon to to make that a more robust community. Uh, we've even talked about creating a course based on the book, which uh, stay tuned. Hopefully that's going to come out either in the fall or spring. Um, but we're going to try to do uh, a really nice course that takes the book to an even deeper level uh, and offers a lot of the lessons in audio format. Because we've had a lot of people tell us that, you know, I don't have time to read, but I'm a salesperson. I'm in my car a lot. Man, I wish you had an audio version that I could listen to. So we're going to probably, the publisher's not doing an audio book, but we're going we're gonna to try to do an audio course to make that a little easier too. So those are the kind of cool things. But the best way to find out is just to be on our blog list because we always announce everything at our corporate site, Converse Digital. Uh, or just hit me up on Twitter, at Tom Martin. Okay. The name of the book is The Invisible Sale, How to Build a Digitally Powered Marketing and Sales System to Better Prospect, Qualify, and Close Leads. The author is Tom Martin. Tom, thank you very much for being on the Marketing Book Podcast. I appreciate it. I had a good time. Hopefully the listeners uh, got a few things that they can use to make their prospecting a little bit uh, less painful. The stars at night are big and bright. Deep in the heart of Texas, the prairie sky is wide and high. Deep in the heart of Texas. And that closes the book on another episode of the Marketing Book Podcast. But don't let the end of this episode be the end of your learning. Visit marketingbookpodcast.com for show notes, free resources, and guides. And be sure to join the Marketing Book Podcast newsletter so you never miss an episode. Till next time.
Well, the only other thing I wanted to tell you, Tom, was that, uh, and, and you don't say this in the book, but I, I feel like you should. You can't have TOMP without Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Vacation starts with VA. Whether you're feeling beachy, mountainy, or every E in between, you'll find all that you love all in one trip to Virginia. Start yours at virginia.org.